Well, big movements in bonds this morning. Front-end yields are being driven up a lot in Australia's case, so the back-end yields are well down. Why? Well, it's inflation-related, of course, and the expectations of central bank rate rises. We'll look at that all today. Plus, oil falls for once, and the ECB tonight, and Q3 GDP for the United States as well. It's a busy one today. It's Thursday, the 28th of October, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, the movement today really is in bonds. Ten-year treasuries down eight basis points. Thirty years are down eleven. In the UK, ten-year gilt yields are down twelve basis points. That's a couple of points below one percent now. Thirty years are down eighteen basis points to one point one three percent, which is back where they were in July. And Australian two years are going the other way, like all front-end yields around the world, uh, but not quite as much as they are in Australia. Two years are up eighteen basis points in Australia. A lot of that climbing happening overnight. The US dollar is down a little. Not much movement in currencies, really. It's it's lost a third of 1% to the Japanese yen, 0.4% down on the Canadian dollar. The Aussie is up 0.3%. The euro is up a tiny bit. The pound is down a tiny bit. Uh, tech stocks doing well in the United States. The rest, not so much. Microsoft is up 5% after smashing earnings expectations. I told you it was a busy day today. It's up 36% year-on-year, its earnings results. And their growth projections are strong, too, based on taking more market share in selling cloud services. Alphabet is up over 6% again uh, as well. It beat earnings expectations and uh, just a couple of billion extra in revenue. That's all. Overall, the Nasdaq is up 2.6% to a record high. The S&P 500 up about 0.1% and the Dow down a quarter percent. It's all down in Europe. A third of a percent down for the FTSE and the DAX. And oil, big falls there. More than 2% for WTI and Brent. We had a big leap in inventories in the United States, which helps to explain that in part. Uh, But what about all this bond movement? Here's Gavin Friend from NAB in London. Let's start with the Aussie story. We've got uh, front-end yields shooting up on a night when, well, front-ends around the world are heading up, aren't they? Uh, But a a lot more so in Australia, as I said. And inflation, we learned yesterday, is is heading up. So, So explain the dynamic here. Yeah, morning, Phil. As you say, all the action in rates and bond markets. Uh, it looks as though we had uh, overnight uh, Australia Q3 CPI coming in more or less in line in terms of uh, the headline uh, and annual numbers, but it was the uh, quarterly numbers that were you know that that, that shocked the market. Um, so the trimmed mean and the weighted mean both coming in two-tenths above forecast. Um, and so it suggests that Australia too is succumbing to higher inflation impulses that are spreading the developed world over. Remember, it wasn't that long ago that we saw you know, a similar situation, uh, higher inflation in New Zealand's Q3 report. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we've been talking about inflation around the world, the UK, Europe, the US. No one seems to be immune. I don't know whether it was the, whether it is the fact that Australia and New Zealand print, you know, quarterly numbers, where whereas in the rest of the world, we get monthly numbers. We're more used to it, seeing that kind of stuff, um, you know, front and centre. And that, and, and that was the reason why we got a bit of a shock in Australia. But, um, you know, to your question about the price action, so all of this plays to the same grain that we've been talking about um, of uh, markets expecting inflation to to feed through to central bank uh, reaction functions increasingly, even though central banks, the RBA included, the Fed, the ECB will learn later on today are all saying this is inflation this is this is temporary um 
But markets see a different story, aggressively pricing in rate rises. We've now got, you know, three rate rises fully priced in for the RBA by the end of 2022 against a central bank that is saying it doesn't intend to raise rates until 2024. We'll have to wait now for a very interesting RBA meeting uh, next week and a new statement on monetary policy, which will tell us whether... You know, they're blinking at all. Well, I mean, we are now, aren't we, within their target rate, their 2 to 3% target rate. We haven't been there for years, so no wonder everyone's getting excited. Yeah, we haven't been there since uh, since 2015. Um, that uh, annual core rate rising to 2.1%. I mean, it's worth saying, um, our own view at NAB is, is that we've been saying backing the RBA line that nothing until 2024, though we have su- we have suggested the risks of a move in the second half of 2023 uh, have been increasing. We'll just have to see now whether the RBA pushes back. And of course, we come, we've got the ECB later today, we've got the Fed and the Bank of England next week. They've all got different things they're looking at, but what markets will be watching and waiting for to see, you know, how much these central banks push back against market pricing. I mean, they're all living through, as we all are, a world of uncertainty, not knowing how long the supply uh, supply led price pressures are going to last. But the story has always has been very firm so far that this is temporary. Well, how long is temporary? And so, you know, we're, we're looking for shades of grey here. Um, but 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 I think it's it's still the consensus view that central banks won't want to endorse the kind of pricing in of rate hikes that markets are already doing. Well, and so, or, well, is that the case with, for example, the Bank of Canada that we saw yesterday or overnight? They uh, cut their QE program, uh, and uh, you know that they're bringing forward expectations for a rate hike. So uh, they are certainly more hawkish than most. Yeah, I mean, Canada has been creeping down that pathway to reducing its bond purchases. It was expected that that that, that the announcement on yesterday's meeting would be they would cut the bond buying in half to just one billion Canadian dollars per week. As you say, they decided to go a little bit further and actually end the bond buying program. The only purchases they'll do now will be those reinvestment uh, of maturing debt so that they keep the balance sheet pretty much even. In terms of them actually raising rates, I mean, they've said they won't do so until the economic recovery is complete. But because they now see the output gap closing even more quickly, probably by Q2 next year, rate rises are live from that point on. Markets have got four Canadian rate rises priced in for next week. Next week or next year? Four next year. Well, there is a relief. Uh, what about the UK? Then we had the uh, the biggest move in uh, in gilt yields. Uh, they fell the most since March 2020. And now normally we don't get a, a very big response to a UK budget, uh, but this time we did, didn't we? Yeah, I would just be a little bit careful uh, about uh, reading too much into, you know, the fall in longer term yields being totally to the budget. They are partly, but we have had this dynamic uh, of late where, um, you know, as, as, as markets pricing higher short term yields, whether that's in the UK, the US or wherever, um, it comes at the expense of growth further down the road. And that's why those yield curves have been rolling over. That's the kind of market reaction function. But, you know, specifically to the UK, today, the finance minister unveiled more spending initiatives than was generally expected. And he's basically using all the fiscal headroom he has and some economic growth upgrades uh, to, to, to unleash around £70 billion of giveaways 
Um, the better than expected performance of the economy this year has also allowed him to slash bond sales by about a fifth. I mean, it's not a small amount. And so, and no, so, for, so for, to, from two two fifty down to about two hundred, which is which is obviously where we saw these. Yeah, spots. and that's why that's helped haul those longer term yields down quite aggressively. I mean, you look at thirty year yields in the UK; they've gone from one forty five at the end of last week to one thirteen today. Now in the US. Mm. You know, the 30-year the bond, the yield there has gone below 2% for the first time in a long time. So we're at 194. That was at 215, uh, again, late last week. The, the move is not quite as sizable as it is in the UK. But in the UK, you know, now this aggressive spending or this aggressive spending from the Chancellor has pushed back up market expectations of rate rises as soon as next week when the Bank of England meets. That isn't the case in the US. Nobody expects the Fed to start raising rates next week. They expect the Fed to announce a taper. What people will be looking at next week from the Fed is what to what extent does Powell push back on market pricing of rate rises? Right. Just going back to the UK budget for a second, what has attracted the most column inches in uh, UK newspapers this morning is uh, Rishi's genius stroke on alcohol duty. Basically, the weaker the alcohol, the less duty that's going to be charged. I mean, but what happens if you're in a pub that waters your beer down? Does that mean they pay less duty? Or if someone has a, a lemonade shandy? Uh, none of those questions were answered or even asked, it's fair to say. Perhaps with good reason. Uh, look, oil down quite a bit this morning. There's, uh, of course, been quite a rise in stockpiles in the US, we learned this morning, up 2.3 million barrels last week. Uh, there's also talks resuming between Europe and Iran. So could this be the turning point for oil? And if it does flatten out, what's that going to do to inflation expectations? I guess the big question is, have we reached the peak? We need a, a crystal ball to answer that one. The, the other part of this story is we have seen some weakness in the last few days in some of the industrial metals. So iron ore, aluminium, they've been pulling a little bit lower. And that has been scrubbing off some of the speed, I think, um, from oil prices, as you say, that are kind of plateauing. They're not really falling. They're just plateauing. Um, but at the same time, again, you know, the conversation we've just had about longer term yields coming down to the extent that they are not just what from, 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 from le- le- less debt issuance in the UK, to the extent that they are a reflection of investor fears about longer term growth. I mean, that's something, again, that might play into that sort of oil story. Yeah. All right. Some of the numbers from yesterday. We had a monthly trade deficit in New Zealand of 2.1 billion. Uh, they've got a, which is a, a real turnaround, isn't it, from being a trade surplus in New Zealand? They've just got to stop buying so much stuff. I, I know a central bank that can help with that. Uh, US durable goods orders were down in September as well, but take transport out and they were up a little. Weren't they? Yeah, they were actually on net um, better numbers, really, but not as good as the headline suggested. There were some, uh, well, at least in the headline, there was a pretty chunky downward revision to the August numbers. There was also a downward revision to um, to the August numbers for the uh, for the core numbers, but not by much. Net net, they were better than the market had been looking for. Right. And lots on today. We've got Guy DeBell from the RBA in front of the Senate estimate hearing this morning, along with uh, Michelle Bullock. He will no doubt be quizzed on those inflation numbers and the interest rate story, obviously. Uh, we've got the Bank of Japan meeting today as well. We've got German unemployment numbers there out. Preliminary inflation numbers as well for Germany for October. Uh, Euro area consumer confidence. And of course, the ECB 
which you've uh, which you've talked about, but you might want to expand on a little bit more before we go. And of course, Q3 GDP for the US as well. Yeah, I mean, for the ECB, you know, this is one of those interim meetings where there's no new forecast updates. Uh, all of the big stuff there is coming in December. Um, markets have been thinking, well, we'll gloss over this meeting. But, you know, this is going to be quite a difficult one for, for Christine Lagarde, the, the, the president of the ECB, because she's really got to go out there and try and hold the market's hand and push back on you know, these, these these rises in rate expectations. I mean, Europe, you know, people talk about the sort of Japanification of Europe and actually they don't have an inflation problem, but it's at 3.4% and it's going to rise closer to 4%. You've got hawks in the ECB that are becoming a little bit restless ahead of the wage round, wage bargaining rounds. So she's got to tread that deli- delicate line between what, what, what those, those hawks are thinking and at the same time try and, you know, uh, try and get markets to sort of you know buy into that longer term view that uh, actually this isn't a problem for Europe and it's quite difficult because she can't really point to any sort of you know lower inflation forecasts really because the ones they've got so far are out of date it's going to be quite it's going to be quite interesting how she how she manages to sort of tread this line treading the line very carefully and I think and I think the market reaction will depend on on her performance yeah all right now uh, let's look at Q3 GDP in the US before we go yeah well I mean remember we're coming off the ball a little bit it was it was a decent number 6.7% Q&Q annualized in Q2 markets looking from a lower 2.6% and if you look at things like the Atlanta Fed GDP now forecast it's closer to zero um, so you know um, it, you know again the personal consumption component of that will be interesting as will the trade as will inventories you know last time round inventories were weak and people expected them to rebound again we haven't had the orders you know so so that they, they get they get pushed further out and further out it's going to be yeah, interesting it's it is. It's it's just going to be supply chain. More evidence of supply chain problems, isn't it? That's what we'll be looking for. Yep. Uh, good to talk, Gavin. We'll catch you next time. Cheers, Will. So, a fair bit going on. It's fair to say uh, we'll be back again tomorrow morning with another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you tomorrow.